regular meeting for Monday, January, July the 23rd, 2018, to order. Uh, let the record show that the meeting started three minutes after five. Uh, we, councillors should have an agenda in front of them. Are there any additions to the agenda, Mr. McQuaig? Those are not your worship. Okay. Any deletions? Those are not your worship. Okay. That takes us to the minutes of the July 9th, 2018 regular council meeting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you making that motion, Mr. Yes, Good? All in favor? Uh, adoption of minutes. Uh, minutes of July 9th, 2018. Any deletions, changes? Modifications, etc., required there. So, I want to make a motion. Okay, all in favor of Johanna's Downing motion to adopt the agenda. I mean, the accept the minutes. That takes us to, uh, I understand there's a public hearing, Mr. McQuake. Yes, there is some, Your Worship. And this one is bylaw 2016. Proposed amendment to the land use bylaw 1891 regarding accessory deck and garage amendments. Ms. Modi, you're going to manage that? I am here for that. Yes. Okay, I believe I have, have to go through a predetermined uh, um, script here. So um, I need a uh, I need a motion from council to move that council opening public hearing on the matter of bylaw 2016. Someone want to make that motion? I so move. All in favor? So I hereby declare the statutory public hearing open at five minutes after five on. July the 23rd, 2018, and note that this hearing is held pursuant to Section 7, 8, 230, 606, and 692 of the Municipal Government Act. Uh, and I will ask Ms. Fallon to <coughs> confirm what the purpose of the public hearing is. Um, the purpose is to hear bylaw 2016, proposed amendments to the land use bylaw 1891 regarding deck and detached garage definitions and requirements. And when was the public hearing notice advertised in the, in the uh, in newspaper of record? Uh, it was advertised in the Record Gazette on July 11th and 18th. And were there any written submissions received uh, and not included in the public hearing agenda package? No, no comments were received at all. Okay. So if I could just ask all persons that that intend to give oral presentations to clearly state their name and to make their presentations succinct. I will now call on the development officer to uh, come forward and uh, present the, uh, the uh, amendment, proposed amendment. Good evening, Council. Uh, so bylaw 2016 is an administrative amendment to the land use bylaw that addresses the definitions around accessory uses in the bylaw, as well as decks and uh, garages. 
So the proposed bylaw replaces the existing accessory definition with uh, two definitions, one for accessory building or structure and one for accessory use. We've also replaced the carport definition with a new and clearer definition. Uh, same for deck and for garage. Uh, in addition, the bylaw proposes to add accessory building or structure as a discretionary use in the commercial shopping center district and the community development districts. Uh, that use is not present in those districts at this time, which is a, an oversight as far as we're concerned. Uh, we've also removed the definition for extension to a principal building or existing building because that definition isn't really referenced anywhere else in the bylaw and it just, just doesn't provide clarity. If anything, it muddies the waters. And then we've also added some new regulations with respect to decks so that the development officer has very clear direction in terms of when a development permit is required and what the different regulations are associated with a higher deck, so anything over two feet or something that is lower to the ground. And it provides a little bit more flexibility, particularly with lower level decks and front yards. So this was brought to council in June uh, for official direction to proceed with the bylaw amendment, uh, which is the way it works if we're initiating a, a new bylaw amendment internally. Um, we did have that direction on the 25th, so we advertised this public hearing on July 11th and 18th in the Record Gazette, uh, and at this time we've received no public comments or feedback that we can provide to you. So we are hoping that tonight uh, we will receive three readings from this bylaw, which would require that council is unanimous in the first two readings. And I can take any questions that you might have. Any questions from this morning? Oh, just one, Your Worship. No, go ahead. Um, we council had discussed this back in a, in a governments and priorities meeting, and I know there was a gentleman that had. Uh, an appeal back in the day. Was that gentleman contacted and did he have any concerns with the way this is being written now? We did not directly contact any particular resident of the town of Peace River with respect to this bylaw. We went through the normal bylaw advertising, which is to put it in the newspaper for two weeks and it was also posted on the town's website uh, the week following the council meeting. Okay. Just uh, for my clarification, uh, survey work related to any of this work. So uh, I understand what the bylaw says. I'm now able to build my garage. I apply for a building permit. I have my lot surveyed and it fails for whatever reasons the minimums are there. Is, is that the process as to how this works? Or would, would survey work be done? I guess my question is when is the survey work done? When, if I was to propose any of these these projects on my home, is it pre pre building permit time or after building permit time? Do you mean when is an Alberta land surveyor on right. your property? Uh, the town does not always require a surveyed site plan. Uh, if if you have a complicated property, then we often encourage right. a site plan that's provided so by an Alberta land surveyor to actually so the submit onus, the application. So the onus is on the homeowner to find the pegs and, and build within the the, 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 uh, the, uh, the site boundaries. It is, and with respect to accessory uses, accessory buildings, like sheds or garages on residential sites, often we receive something less than an official survey report. Okay. All right, well, thanks. I just uh, wanted to get that square in my mind. Okay. 
Um, so I will. Uh, is that? Is there any any other questions for Ms. Mooney? Okay, thank you, Ms. Mooney. Uh, I will now call on those who are in favor of the bylaw and wish to speak on it to come forward. That was first call. This will be second call. And now you're hearing third call, and I see no one coming forward. So I will now call on those opposed to the bylaw and who want to speak on the bylaw to come forward. Um, that was first call. This is second call. And you've just heard third call. So I'm not seeing anyone come forward. I will now call on any person deemed to be affected who wishes to be heard to come forward. That was first call. This is second call. And uh, you just had third call. So um, seeing no one coming forward and seeing that all <coughs> presentations have been made, I will now declare the public hearing closed at 12 minutes after 5. Um, that will take us to presentations, and I understand the Purple Rung Society ha has asked to make a presentation, so if they could come forward. Could I just get you to announce uh, yourselves at the table before you begin? Uh, my name is Brent Taylor with Purple Rum. My name is Trudy Kleiser, also Purple Rum Foundation. Great, thanks. Go ahead. Um, our request here today is, is, is fairly simple. Um, there is a uh, variety of, of uh, mostly federal monies uh, being made available for the cause of, of homelessness. Um, uh, you all know we've been we've been flogging this this cause for uh, quite some time, and we've more or less focused on the transition part of of, of that long road of of a homeless person to 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 get into you know housing first or or traditional housing. Um, we're here to tell you that we, we've been learning along the way and Purple Rung is not absolute on the transitional shelters, although we believe it's a, it's a good model. But we've been working hard on a, uh, a more complete model, which includes a warming shelter, um, transitional shelters, and affordable housing. Um, we've, uh, we've understand also that uh, we've listened and, and heard that there's a fear of when a, if homeless um, solutions are here, it may attract other homeless. And we understand that Peace River doesn't really want to shoulder all of the homeless that comes here from surrounding areas. And, and we take a more regional perspective on it. And we've spoken to uh, two of the three surrounding counties uh, for support. Um, ultimately, what we are looking today for is fairly vanilla uh, support for um, for our efforts to apply for grants um, for homelessness solutions. Um, we've we've gotten some support already, 
without that support, we cannot attach to any of these uh, solutions because there's two things that are prerequisites. Uh, one is uh, municipal support. Uh, the second is experience in, in our partners or, or collaboration in operating uh, multiple uh, space uh, for tenants. Um, we, we have talked to uh, local who have actually talked to Northeast Housing as well. Uh, they suggest we maybe should have started with this plan uh, rather than getting painted out with the transitional shelters that we brought first. Um, in any case, um, we're open to questions. We do have uh, not actually presentable uh, drawing of what we're, what we're proposing to um, CMAC uh, for uh, a coal. I'm sorry, what's it called? Yeah, it's a coal, coal investment fund, which would be some private, uh, some public, and, and not for profit uh, collaboration. Our, the ask is really straightforward, and uh, as you probably have it in your package, we're looking for a letter of support in principle. Uh, that's what support means to us right now. We're not looking for money. Um, just that the Town of Peace River does believe that homelessness is an issue that needs to be researched more and understood better for our region and that you would be willing to provide a letter of support that we could attach to our grant applications. Uh, the, Brent referred to the National Housing Co-Investment Fund, which would be uh, uh, partnering with, with private investors um, to, to go forward with either renovation or new building of, of uh, spaces that would accommodate people at a very reasonable cost. And the other is called the Innovation and Research Solution Lab, which is really about looking for innovative solutions that will match uh, the needs of the, a specific community and also be scalable to other communities uh, once, once it's proven out. So these are, these are two, two uh, two grants. There's a significant amount of money available through CMHC and National Housing Strategy at this time for use across Canada. And um, at the moment, Peace River doesn't fall into the, the seven cities of Alberta that, that receive funding for homelessness, but we, we're all aware that there's, there's a problem that we could probably come up with a really good solution for. The, the material that you're looking at, um, it, it's, it's preliminary, but it covers quite a lot of ground in that it has uh, an invisible kind of warming shelter in the downtown core. Uh, you'll see on the second page that, that the, or let's see, third page, uh, a map just showing the where in the downtown core, it, it's closest to amenities like the food bank and the uh, soup kitchen. There's the, the uh, 
the idea of it um, on the lower level notes, which is, let's see, that's page four. It, it has a, a warming area that's accessible from outside and, and separated from the rest of the building. That's just a, a no barriers place where people can get out of the cold. And we're learning more and more that, uh, and our colleagues in the, the peace organization, P-E-A-C-E, -E, are, are really um, concerned as well as we are that this is probably our priority. Uh, we've we've heard from council last time we presented that there's a belief that there's a need for a wraparound kind of service and more um, more access to agencies. So part of the design that you're looking for includes some agency space and some individual rooms, which are almost like a rooming house style, where um, where people could be supervised. Uh, and that would mean people who are not ready to move into the. North Peace housing model where where they have to be rent ready, they have to be ready to pay rent on time and keep a place maintained and, and that um, that's a that's a hurdle or a barrier for many people. So we are working from the assumption that it would be helpful to have have spaces where where people could be in a supervised area with with access to agency supports that already exist in the community but, uh, with an intake, uh, an organized intake. Anyway, those are, those are ideas and this is the, the, the research idea that we're submitting toward the, the Solutions Lab grant. But again, with, uh, um, with knowing that we need to have municipalities, surrounding municipalities, agreeing that, that it's a reasonable grant request. Um, we, in speaking with the regions around us, we've spoken with Northern Lights and Northern, or uh, Northern Sunrise and Northern Lights counties. We're actually seeing, <coughs> attending the Berwyn meeting tomorrow, MD-135. And the agreement is that many of the, the homeless people come from those surrounding regions and they, they're attracted to come to Peace River and so far we've had full agreement that this is a regional issue and, and needs um, a kind of coordinated effort. In summary, um, we don't want to focus on this um, specific property or land because it may be very well that uh, you have uh, uh, you know, the various locations coming up, uh, I, I suggest maybe the, the old uh, rec center or, or whatever. But the point of the whole matter, if I can draw your attention to page four, is that we have a very almost invisible um, place where where it's basically underground. There's a, there's, there's a part of it that sticks out of a parking lot uh, where it's barrier free. It goes down into a, into a, a street community area, much like mats on the floor or us uh, or, or beds with a hospital type curtain, and it's attached exactly onto an agency area who would have offices doing uh, clinical type uh, care, um, addictions counseling, and uh, and so who would 
the social agency who takes on that would actually have access to these people and those people would have access to them. And the eight suites are for people who have a disability, um, mental disabilities or handicaps where they can't uh, live independently. This is our ideal version of an ideal um, ideal situation and, and this would be phase one if we actually in fact went forward in this building. Um, that would be the extent of the uh, of, of it would be condominiumized. So uh, this 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 contained area is a social housing thing. Uh, what turns out to be upstairs, we would very much prefer it to be uh, affordable housing uh, with a 20% off rents for 20 years. That all has to uh, that will come with time. All we're looking here today is uh, for support that we. That we'll get these people talking about uh, about funding such things. Okay. So, any questions? No. Okay. Hi, Trudy and Red. Um, okay. So I didn't anticipate this. The new the, some of these new ideas. I've heard about Solutions Labs initiative, but I'm not familiar with the co-investment fund. Um, there's a fellow at CMAC who suggested this to me. There's a variety of different uh, housing strategy uh, things that have come to light just lately, and there's more. Uh, there's more coming. Um, uh, Danny Skelling is uh, my contact in CMAC in Calgary, and uh, I worked with him for a year on a, on a different matter. Uh, he, he thinks this is a, a good fit, and and the solutions lab we've. In fact, already put a letter uh, of uh, uh, what's it called, uh, intention, expression of interest. Um, again, it needs municipal support, and we've put the four municipalities we'd like to work with on there, with with uh, noting that uh, we do not have the support at the time of the requirement for the for the um, expression of interest. Uh, but we would like to see that we, we get that interest and are able to work with the, work with your staff to bring this about. So are you putting in a grant application or are you just putting in an expression of interest? So? Expression of interest has already been sent. Okay. Um, there was a date that had to be sent and then there will be a round two which will be an actual application. Uh, and that is for a solutions lab doing pretty much what we're, what we're doing here, exploring ideas. Um, you're going to get a grant for that, or you yes. intend to get a grant? Okay, that's right. And that's um, what you need our letter for. Well, that and the uh, the uh, co-investment fund as well, and we're not looking for a, a letter committing to to financial support. We're looking for a letter from you and the other municipalities acknowledging that there is in fact a homelessness issue here, and we would like to um, and you support us seeking solutions to that in, in fact in, in, at a later date it, it, it may turn out that uh, there's a financial uh, part of it but it would be uh, a regional regionally proportionate to the to the four municipalities any other questions 
I understand that there's another organization that's out there that's working on the same issue, and that's the Peace Foundation. And I know I've heard that they just got a grant for for doing something. I'm not sure what the amount of that grant was, but are you guys, is your group and the Peace Foundation kind of working together on this project? Or are you guys off going separate directions, or because you're both seeing both groups are working on the same issue? Well, we certainly don't want to compete with them. We support them, and uh, um, Sherry Hilton uh, is the uh, vice uh, president, I guess, of that of that new organization, and and they're more focused. Uh, I guess if 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 you had to compare Pepsi and Coke, um, we're more focused on the long-term solutions. Uh, they're more focused on the immediate solutions, like this warming shelter, and we believe that. Um, <coughs> If, if we draw the lines uh, properly, um, their support will go to a portion of this project. Well, isn't Mark Boytrucks leading that initiative, is he not? That's right. But isn't isn't he working on long-term solutions? Maybe you can step in, Tanya. I, I don't know that I can provide you with more details. Mark is interested in coming to council, I believe, in November-ish time frame. Um, they've been doing all sorts of research and exploration of different ideas. I don't know that they've nailed down their final solution forward. Um, they're doing a lot, as Brent had mentioned, a lot of um, immediate short-term um, projects right now, but are looking at various other solutions for long-term. But again, there isn't a definitive, here's the answer we're proceeding with yet. Uh, Sagtow Friendship Center is also looking at um, new opportunities that have come available with the most recent announcement with the Minister of something. Housing, thank you. <laughs> so Sagtow also is looking at some really neat and innovative ideas too. So lots of great stuff happening in your communities around this particular issue. To, to shed a bit more light on it, it there's, it, it's such a broad subject, and there's Aboriginal, and, and we're all, all of us agencies are struggling to try and get a grasp or a foothold on a portion of it, and, and without, uh, I guess, we all need the support of the municipality to be able to say this, this solution could work and start putting numbers and nuts and bolts to it. Well, I think the path forward is uh, put on the uh, put together the grant, run it by our administration, and if our administration can support the grant, we'll write the letter. Um, so we'll put together a grant. Well, put in. You talked about putting in a grant application. Yeah. So put together the grant application. We'll run it by administration, and if they can support it. As you know, the last go-around was we couldn't support the development because it didn't meet uh, building codes. So I think we need to know that administration would be uh, supportive of the application because they, uh, they have some confidence that uh, they won't have to make a decision that I think we need to give them some confidence uh, and some of uh, some input so that they're not 
going well, this the this development permit that you put forward is just not going to cut it. So that was the problem last time. Well, that's exactly what we want to separate ourselves from a specific development permit. Uh, not so unlike uh, the Peace uh, Foundation that Mark is bringing. Uh, they don't have a plan uh, on the table. They're looking for solutions and they need your support. And I believe that but you Similarly, we look for general support, and, and, and of course, when it comes to development permit application, that's a different matter. I mean, that's that's got uh, you know conditions, and, and I mean that's all pretty clear if it complies or doesn't comply. We simply look for a letter, uh, a general letter of support in our in our applications, not only for. Uh, but can we see the application that we're being asked to support? That's all we're asking you to do. So you're asking me to give you a letter to support an application, but I don't get to see the application. So how, how do I know that I support the application? Well, the application is very vague at this point. We haven't even seen it. Um, but we, what we do know is, uh, from, from talking to CMAC, this would be a good fit. Now, um, I, I guess support even for the solutions lab, we, we need generally that municipality acknowledges there's homelessness and that they support us looking for solutions. That's all we're looking for. We're not looking for a specific approval on any given you know, thing. Well, we won't give you approval for the application, but if we, if you want us to support the application, we should get to see the application. Um, the, I believe that you have a letter in your package that has kind of a draft wording that we are requesting, which I don't have in front of me, but says uh, something to the effect of, um, oh, maybe I do, um, that you support in principle the work of Purple Rung Foundation in exploring and identifying potential solutions to the regional problem of homelessness we recognize the urgent need for shelter and transitional living spaces for people desperately in need of safe accommodations with basic amenities. We endorse Purple Rung's application for grants to further this cause. That's that's kind of the, the general wording that we are requesting. Uh, it's very nonspecific, deliberately, well, it does. with the words, in principle. Well, it does say we endorse, so this Purple Rungs application. But how can we endorse an application if we don't actually get to see it? Mm, may I suggest leaving that that line out? Um, but we, uh, or, or to take out the word endorse or replace it with, um, we, we recognize or we uh, are aware of Purple Rungs application for grants to further this cause. <coughs> Perhaps a wording like being aware of it would. But you're going to make that. the application though, right? So can we not see the application oh, before yes. we yes. before we put the letter on it? The, uh, what what I'd suggest about that is that our experience with it in the past is that the the window ends up being quite small. Um, um, I in in meaning that. The, the deadlines when the, the grant, uh, when the window of putting your, the grant application in is usually about a month. 
and to have the grant application ready, ready to be seen and um, submitted ends up falling into quite a crunch. It but yes, I think yeah. that you should see it. I, I, I'm not disagreeing at all that. So, Trudy, I, I have to uh, state that whenever I've written a, um, a letter of support or had a letter of support written for a project, <clears throat> excuse me, that I've been involved with, it has been for a specific ask. So that's, I think, what uh, the mayor is looking at right now is saying it, is, it needs to be that specific ask um, just simply because that's really, you really do want your letters of support to speak to, 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 they're more successful when they have. That's been my personal experience. I don't know what you're finding, Tanya. Usually, yeah. Something specific. It, it has more So I'm wondering if a general one isn't like, I mean, I understand the convenience of that and I totally understand the window of grant funding and it, it comes and then and, and it's gone. You're like, what? How is that three weeks long? Who can do all that work in three weeks? For sure, right? Um, and certainly some of the things, projects that I've worked on, but it has been, we need a letter of support for X, right? Yeah, we, we'll, we'll expedite the review of the application. And Ms. Fallon can ghostwrite a letter for me in no time at all, so it shouldn't be an issue. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Well, I'd like to pick those up actually because they are they're drafts. Okay. So I think they're around the table. Who else has them? Uh, there wasn't enough. Oh, that's okay. I got a good look at it. It's good. Thank you. Thank you. And what about the CMHC? Who has the CMHC one? Uh, did you? Did that end up in the stack? I think. Okay, cannabis survey. Thank you, Get you stage for supper. Good evening. I'm Felicia Modi, municipal planner. I'm just hang in there. I've got some munchies, so I'm just going to get a supper <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> I'm here to present the results of the cannabis survey, and I do have the uh, electronic version up on my screen as well as the large screen there for anybody who would like to follow in the gallery. Uh, so, this cannabis survey was done because we are working on amendments to our land use bylaw uh, to deal with the coming uh, legalization of cannabis 
which is going to happen now on October 17, 2018. So as a part of this process, we have drafted two bylaws. Uh, one has passed, that was the definitions bylaw, that just added the uses to our bylaw so that we were in a position to know that when someone was dealing or asking for a cannabis application, we were prepared to call it cannabis. Um, and then in addition to that, we had a second bylaw that has uh, where the use would be enabled in the land use districts, as well as regulations associated with each of the uses. And this, uh, the uh, results of the survey are principally dealing with the contents of that bylaw. So in terms of uh, how many people we had responding to the survey, uh, we had a total of 397 responses. The survey was available from May 9th to June 6th, 2018. It was on our website and it was advertised uh, through Facebook as well as I know there was online advertising and uh, it was advertised through the local newspaper and um, radio station as well. Um, as well as at our open houses, which we, of which we had held two, one on May 23rd and one on June 6th. Um, in terms of the survey, we had 291 respondents of those 397 complete the survey in full. Well, 41 respondents opted out of the survey after question two. So after they told us how old they were, they decided they were done. Um, beyond that, uh, we did have, like I said, 291 respondents who actually completed the survey in full. So in terms of uh, who responded to the survey, we had 76% of the respondents were Peace River residents and uh, 24% were from around our region, primarily from the surrounding three rural municipalities as well as the town of Grimshaw. And then, uh, so based on that, we had 269 of the responses were Peace River residents um, who actually completed the survey past question two, so to, on to at least question three, uh, which is the first of the substantive cannabis-related questions. So that represents a, a survey response rate of 5% of our population, which does not sound like a lot, but really from a municipal government perspective, that's pretty good in terms of survey reach. Uh, and that is 5% of our adult population, so of the 15-plus uh, population that we have in the town of Peace River. And you can also see here on the response to how old are you that we did have fairly good representation when it came to age groups. Uh, we did have responses from all of the age groups uh, between 15 to uh, 65 plus. I see the hippie age group didn't really, wasn't, didn't come out. They already got the connect. Now, um, the age groups that were overrepresented were uh, adults uh, 20 to uh, 39, uh, with particularly 25-year-olds to 34-year-olds responded in great numbers. And then we did, we were slightly underrepresented in anybody over the age of 16. So in terms of the actual cannabis survey questions, uh, the graphic above is the map that was presented essentially through the survey and also at our open houses. So that was the information that was provided to people as they were responding. Um, the first question asked if people agreed that it was appropriate to have cannabis retail sales as a discretionary use in three of our commercial districts, the primary commercial district, highway commercial district, and the commercial shopping center district. Uh, and as you can see, overall the responses are that yes, people do agree, either strongly or they simply agree. 
with a further small percentage that were neutral or had no opinion. And then um, minority of between, uh, I believe it's 24 and 17 percent, who either disagreed or strongly disagreed with having cannabis retail. And I think that that's a fair representation overall of the responses. There's a clear 25 to one-third of the population who is definitely nervous about this change and doesn't really want it in our town or, or anywhere else likely. Um, and then the rest of the town is either okay or neutral on, on the question of cannabis and the changes that are coming forward. And you can see I've also added some of the uh, comments, some direct quotes from the survey that give a sense of the breadth of the, uh, the feedback that we've received. Then moving on to question number four, uh, we asked if people agreed that the cannabis retail was not listed as a use in the mixed commercial residential district and the riverfront development district. Both of these are districts of the downtown area. Uh, so this was kind of a reverse of the previous question. And here we had less agreement um, than we did previously. So here about a little under half of the population agreed that we should not have that we should not have cannabis retail in uh, these areas and about half were either neutral or they disagreed and they did think that we should have cannabis retail in either the riverfront development district or the mixed commercial residential district. So there's less consistency here than there was with the previous question. Well, so what, what's the inconsistency? This is a trick question. Is that what it's, what <laughs> it, it's not a trick question, but it was reversed. So essentially, before we were asking, do you agree with having cannabis in these locations, this question asks, do you agree that we will not have cannabis here? And there were many people that agreed to have cannabis in the commercial districts that we pointed out. Fewer people thought that we had done the right thing. Um, slightly less than half. So it's still very close to 50% of the population agreed with what we had proposed, but there were fewer people, and some argued that there should be more opportunities for a diversity of locations within the town rather than restricting it to those very core central areas. Maybe this was just a, maybe used a Trump double negative in the uh, question. That's why it confused everybody. It's possible. <laughs> okay. And you can see on um, this figure two points out the schools and healthcare facilities in the vicinity of these two districts that I was talking about. So these are the mixed commercial residential districts of the downtown, as well as the Riverfront Development District. So it does cover the majority of the land in the downtown of Peace River. Uh, the next question dealt with setbacks, specifically from schools or parcels of land designated as school reserves. The province of Alberta has placed a 100-meter minimum separation distance. The towns or all municipalities have the option of maintaining, increasing, or de decreasing that separation distance. Uh, based on the results of that question, we can see that the majority of the town, very strong majority, either wanted to maintain that 100-meter setback or they wanted to increase it. Uh, the increasing suggestions in the comments ranged from zero kilometers to people who uh, actually wanted to decrease it, all the way up to 10 kilometers to people who did not want it in town. Uh, the majority of the increasing suggestions ranged from 150 to 300 meters. 
And what the diagram shows is the setback at 100 meters and 200 meters for um, for schools within the town. So basically, what this is showing is that aside from outreach and Peace River High School, if you do the 200 meter setback, then the setbacks at 100 or 200 meters don't impact the commercial lands that we're talking about. Um, the outreach definitely does impact where uh, a cannabis retail could be located. And Peace River High School does if you are applying a 200 meter setback. And there's a few properties at the very north end of downtown that would be affected. Uh, but those properties are on the other side of both the rail line and the high highway from the high school. <laughs> So the next question is similar uh, in that it deals with the separation distance, but this is from provincial healthcare facilities. So we've got the high school, or sorry, the hospital and the mental health facility downtown that are the facilities affected by this setback. And here the town's people were in favor of maintaining the 100 meter setback, but um, I am on the right one. Um, there were more people in this case who thought that 100 meters was actually too much, but it doesn't actually change the direction of the overall feedback. So overall, 50% were comfortable with maintaining the setback and a further 28% suggested that it increase. However, the uh, suggestions for increase here were smaller than they were relative to the schools. So there was definitely more interest in having a further setback from schools than there was from uh, the healthcare facilities. So then going on, we have question number seven. This one dealt with uh, if there are any other sensitive uses where we should potentially apply a separation distance when we're considering applications. We asked specifically about playgrounds where there was overwhelming response that we should, uh, we should have a setback relative to playgrounds. And then also if there are other community recreation facilities uh, that we should consider a setback from. And there was still strong support for that, although slightly less than uh, from the playgrounds. Um, however, there was also some feedback that argued the other way, saying that where the retail stores are located doesn't really matter since you cannot smoke there anyway. Um, and I do think that out of the comments, uh, there was some people who might have been conflating the idea of where we can locate the stores with where we can actually smoke cannabis. And there's definitely concern around where we can smoke cannabis. So on the next page, I'm showing you a map that shows all of the potential sensitive uses uh, in the downtown area that were identified in the survey comments uh, and a 100 meter setback from those uses. So we've got, we've included here the rec center, the library, the curling club, uh, both the Anglican and United Churches, um, Athabasca Hall, and Golf World, as well as the schools and playgrounds uh, that we had have previously discussed. Uh, question number eight asked about minimum separation distances between cannabis retail. Um, and here we had about equal, almost equal numbers saying that no, we should not have a, cannabis, a setback distance between retail stores and the other part saying yes with a, a 
19% of people saying that they had no opinion about that question. Uh, liquor stores are similar, I think, in terms of type to cannabis retail. In the town right now, we currently have uh, a suggestion that any cumulative impacts of co-location of liquor stores uh, the Municipal Planning Commission, when they're making any decisions on applications, would have to consider the cumulative impacts of any liquor stores that are within 150 meters of each other. And we can see what 150 meters looks like uh, on this uh, map right here. But in the town right now, we do have two liquor stores that are within that separation distance. So even though we've considered it, we haven't always applied that type of separation distance with uh, our current liquor store developments in town. Uh, question nine asked about store hours. Right now, the AGLC is limiting store hours to between 10 a.m. and 2 a.m. Uh, we asked, the town has the option of having regulations around store hours. We asked if we should set longer or shorter store hours. Um, overall, the majority of people said that we should be, sorry, that we should be keeping the same store hours uh, with 31% saying that we should shorten them and 6% saying that we should have longer hours available. Uh, so question 10 relates to where we would potentially consider cannabis production facilities um, as a discretionary use in three land use districts. So we were asking if people agreed that the light industrial districts M1 and M1A on the west side of the river, as well as the mixed industrial district, mixed industrial business district on the east side of the river were appropriate locations for um, cannabis production facilities. Uh, in both cases, people strongly agreed or were neutral uh, for both of these. There was slightly more concern to having this, look, this use in the mixed industrial business district on the east side of the river. And this map shows um, the healthcare facilities and schools and playgrounds, which we've identified as certainly things that we are keeping an eye on. Um, and their relative position to these districts in the town. Uh, the next question asks about setback distances with respect to cannabis production facilities. Right now in our draft bylaw, um, and in most draft bylaws that I have seen, there have been no setback distances for production <coughs> facilities from sensitive uses. So we asked if people agreed that setbacks were unnecessary. Uh, we had 44%, uh, no, sorry, 42% of people saying that they were agreed that we did not need setbacks, and a further 33% were either neutral or no opinion, with 26% disagreeing. Um, I will note that uh, production facilities will be regulated by the federal government, and we'll have lots of str stringent uh, requirements relative to. Uh, security measures and the like, and we'll also have regulations in our land use bylaw that allow us to also set those conditions as well from a municipal perspective. And the final question of the survey asked about uh, how people feel about smoking and vaping cannabis in public spaces. Um, Right now, we don't have a bylaw in the town of East River that limits smoking. We rely on the provincial regulations. So we asked if cannabis should be allowed to be smoked in the same places as tobacco, or should it be limited? And um, we had 48% of people 
stating that cannabis should be allowed wherever tobacco is smoked, and 52% of people saying that it should be restricted in public spaces. And the 25% that were from out of town, which way did they vote? What percentage, so are we, so you've got 25% of your electorate, which is out of town, helping make this decision. Do you know, uh, did they split 50-50 as well, or do you even know that? I, we could go find that out. Um, I do remember looking at this, and I'm 95% sure, but not 100, um, that, uh, the out-of-towners were slightly more in favor of being able to smoke in public than the in-town residents. I should note, though, that... Uh, <laughs> it's a question. Yeah. It's not, one, I'll just, not one, one, more, one more comment before I, I take the question is that this question asks about whether cannabis should be allowed to be smoked wherever tobacco is smoked. I should note that the province right now is not allowing cannabis to be smoked wherever tobacco is smoked. It's wherever tobacco is smoked, and there is also additional regulations around it that are, I think, specific to cannabis. So the province is being slightly more restrictive with cannabis than it is being with tobacco at this point. But there are many municipalities that are going even further than that as well. Yes? Um, so I guess... When you look at the question, I think I think because when it was brought up to me in conversation by random citizens, I suppose. With, sorry, I was just um, A lot of people are unaware that, that it would be on the burden of the municipality to enforce things beyond what the provinces. And and I wonder if those responses would not change if people understood that you know the cost and the you know administrative burden of of trying to deal with that. Uh, on our own, on our own dime, with our own staff, as opposed to, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I will say this question, we added it because we know that there is interest around this issue, but this particular question is not being dealt with at the land use bylaw stage. The town does have the option of bringing forward a separate bylaw to deal with smoking in public, um, which could address cannabis and... I see by the comments there's some very uh, good, good luck enforcing that is, I think, uh, my favorite one. That was from you. That no, that was. That the, these comments are a sample of the general tone of many of the comments. I don't believe that is anyone's comment verbatim, correct? Oh, no, it is. Oh, that one is? It's someone's comment, but I can't tell but you. But there was, oh, obviously, but there was many that, that shared a similar sentiment, I'm assuming. There were, were some, yeah. Were they as equally sarcastic? Um, I'm, I honestly just don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, on the basis of all of the feedback that we've received, as well as additional um, com or conversation uh, at the administrative level, um, we do have another bylaw that we've brought forward to council, which is on the agenda for later tonight, and it does have key changes, uh, which I could speak to right now or leave for net later in the agenda? Uh, you can speak to it right now, I think. Speak to it right now? Okay. So, uh, bylaw 28, which further in your package, uh, there is a, a version of that bylaw that does have red text, so that text shows all of the changes specifically within the bylaw, but the, um, the main changes are as follows. Uh, first, we have added a 100-meter separation distance to playgrounds. We have also added a 10-meter variance on the separation distance. 
So the rationale behind that was that there are can be some instances where we might have an issue uh, where the separation, the buffer, just kind of skims the corner of a property. The building itself might not be located within that portion of the property. So we just have a little bit of leeway to deal with situations where the buffer can still be respected, but to apply it based solely on the property lines means that we're restricting it from properties that otherwise wouldn't need to be. So it gives a little bit of discretion, which would go to the Municipal Planning Commission. That would be their discretion. Uh, we have also added language similar to what's in the land use bylaw uh, with respect to clustering. Um, but it would, again, just like with the liquor, it would be a consideration. So we'd make sure that we're turning the MPC's mind to the question of, is there going to be a concern with having stores in too close proximity at that particular location uh, without having a hard setback between the, the retail locations? We, would also, we also have added a pre-decision notification process. So if we receive an application for a cannabis retail in a district where that retail is listed as a discretionary use, then we would notify landowners within a certain number of meters. We put 50 as that number. Uh, this is definitely add a significant administrative burden to the process to get that notification out, but it does make sure that adjacent landowners would have the opportunity to provide comments to the Municipal Planning Commission before they made a decision um, on it in the discretionary areas. Uh, but speaking of discretionary, one of the, some of the other changes that we have done is we've changed uh, cannabis retail sales from a discretionary use to permitted use in the commercial district and also added it as a permitted use in the Riverfront Development District. Um, the rationale behind doing permitted use is that it is a more business-friendly approach because it limits the appeal ability of that decision, so it provides some more certainty for the business owners, um, but at the same time, that does limit appeal, so we have to be confident. But those are more commercial areas, and when you apply the setbacks, and what I've done here is... I have shown you um, where those where the retail would be enabled as a use, and then the setbacks. So when we act, we do apply the setbacks, that does ensure that within those districts where there is it is a permitted use, we would still be buffering off of our parks, our playgrounds, and our healthcare and school facilities, so that they were at least 100 meters away. And then we've also added cannabis retail as a discretionary use in the mixed commercial residential district. So again, we're providing some flexibility in terms of location, but in that case, uh, any application that would be in that district, there would be notification prior to decision, um, and, and the buffers still apply. So we would have the ability to take into consideration how the neighbors felt specifically about that application. So we're trying to find a balance between protecting adjacent landowners, but also providing some spaces in town where it is more certain for a business, from a business perspective. So the two final maps show essentially what that bylaw 2038, which is the draft bylaw before, before you this evening, uh, what the enabling looks like. So we've got the retail, cannabis retail, where it's permitted and where it's a discretionary use, and then the districts that it would be enabled in, and the land uses where we would have setbacks or buffers from. And then in the, uh, the last figure shows the industrial districts 
where a cannabis production facility would be enabled as a discretionary use, uh, but in this case, no setbacks apply, which is consistent with a previous bylaw and also with the, uh, the, the uh, survey results that we received. So the, so this, this, these are what's going to be in bylaw 2038. So what was the other bylaw then? What was that number? The, the previous bylaw was 2033. Uh, you have given it first reading, and our intent going forward would be that we would have the two bylaws. We would advertise both. Um, whatever 2038 looks like, to, if there's any changes that are required to 2038, council isn't comfortable with a setback or anything that's in that bylaw, then I would hope that we would make a motion to change that this evening so that then we, when we move forward, we can move forward with one bylaw that we think is going to be the bylaw um, that we can advertise so that everybody's clear on uh, what's being brought forward at the public hearing. And then we would have both of those bylaws go forward to public hearing and ultimately the recommendation would be to approve one and defeat the other. So in bylaw 2033, what, what's, is there a separation distance? There's a separation distance from school and from public health care facility, but not from playground. And the separation distance is still 100 meters. Okay. And is there any 10-meter variance? I guess you don't need a 10-meter variance in bylaw 2033. The 10-meter variance, I think, is probably still a good idea one way or the other, but that was that provision was not in bylaw 2033. Um, and is there any consideration for clustering in bylaw 2033? There's not. So you can't cluster in 2033 or you can? In 2033 there's nothing that requires that the Municipal Planning Commission consider clustering as an impact. That being said, in cases where it's a discretionary use, the MPC can still choose to do those things independently, but there's nothing that's requiring them to do it under the bylaw. And uh, is there any pre-decision notification process in 2033? There is not. And uh, so in 2033, what are, who's permitted and who's, who's uh, under discretionary in 2033, the, all of the cannabis-related uses were discretionary. The commercial was, or the retail was in the C1 district in downtown, and then the C2 and the C3, which are on the West Hill. So why wouldn't you, uh, why wouldn't you just restrict the cannabis retail outlets to uh, the downtown commercial areas? Are, are we expecting a Cabela version of, uh, of, uh, of marijuana stores, or like a box store for marijuana? Like, and we want to drive business downtown, don't we? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think the, we do have a variety of lot sizes up on the West Hill. The majority of them are larger um, and do have larger retail spaces, but there are a couple that are smaller where a smaller use could happen. Um, I know that if you compare cannabis retail to our liquor stores, we have liquor stores available on both sides of the river. It serves a different part of our, our local market. 
I'm kind of, I'd prefer to see them all downtown, but anyhow. That's just me. Okay, and go ahead. Anything else you want to add? Any other questions? Uh, go ahead. And just getting back to question 12 of your survey before we got into the bylaws, where it speaks to the question as far as smoking and vaping cannabis in public spaces, like the same as tobacco. Now, the seminar that I went down south, I know some municipalities are looking at it, and I'm not sure if, if we're looking at it. Would we not treat the usage of cannabis the same as ALGC rules with alcohol? Or does the town have the option of doing that? The town does have the option of doing that. I think that it might be helpful for administration if council directed us to bring back more information with respect to consumption and the options for how we might regulate it. Yeah, because I would, I would like to see that because in the seminar that I was at down south dealing with the, uh, the cannabis legislation, uh, a lot of municipalities were looking at that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Councillor Ford, um, although I think that that question on the survey definitely indicated that there's room for us to have some serious discussion around that, I think because it doesn't play a role in bylaw 2038, I mean, I, th I think it's an ideal, I, it's an ideal suggestion to have administrative look, administration look at it. I think we should not let that get involved in, enter into the discussion with bylaw 2038. No, I didn't want to bring it up as far as discussion as the bylaw, but the question was there, so I, that's good, why I wanted to ask the question now. So, Your Worship, you were mentioning about <clears throat> about some of the changes regarding the locations um, from the cannabis survey, and, and, I, and I have to express that I was really concerned with some of the questions when I saw the survey. I thought, we've already, <clears throat> excuse me, we've already restricted ourselves in lots of ways. We had already set out some arbitrary boundaries and, and, I, and I thought, wow, we're, we're already making it more and more difficult for people to find um, a location for a retail outlet. Uh, but I would have to say that once I went back and looked at the map um, at the end, um, I thought that there was still some opportunities that were available and maybe we hadn't ruled out um, lots of the downtown area that I thought maybe we were at one point. So well, congratulate you on that. Thank you. And, and that is kind of the balance we're trying to achieve with the follow that we've brought forward. And this, the, where we've enabled it has changed. So we have added two districts where we can consider it. We've also added setbacks and notifications so that we're hopefully bringing uh, people along and making sure that they're not surprised by, by any sort of application and, and finally when a store actually does open. I mean, I might emphasize the comment of, are we doing that for all businesses, which I don't think that we are. So um, I won't go down that road. I'll just say that it's certainly commented about on in the survey. You must have a question, Mr. Gidler. No, it's fine to not. No, surprisingly not. I think, seriously, the work's been done. <coughs> I don't have any issues with the work that was done. I don't have any issues with the survey, and I don't have any issue with the recommendations. And, and there's no conflict of interest if you set up a store. <laughs> I won't be. 
I don't have any interest in that uh, area of agriculture at this point. Okay. Your Worship, are we taking questions on 2038 at this time, or are we going to wait till we get there? Uh, you can ask him now. Because I see ahead. Joanne wants to leave. Jump so ahead. And she might think your so question is pretty I, interesting. I, I don't see the red text in front of me here. I, I found it earlier in the evening when I read my notes. So just uh, back to the 100 meters and the business of uh, if it's less and there's a requirement or a suggestion that some consultation takes place. Yes, so the way the notification works is that um, any cannabis retail sales application that's for discretionary use, so that would be in the commercial residential district when we're talking about the uh, downtown area, or an application where a variance is required, the notification process would kick in. So if we are varying that 100 meter setback, we would have to let adjacent landowners know about it. Okay, okay fine. That, and, and again, uh, the adjacent landowners they do not have veto power, they have the ability to, to step forward and offer their opinion. Uh, from the developer's side, though, could the developer come forward at that point and present 10 letters of support from those same people suggesting that he has community support in the Browntown business area to do what he's proposing to do? Would that, you know, this seems to have a, I guess it's soliciting some sort so-called negative feedback, if you would, but is the option here for the actual business owner to come forward with, with his ten letters that say that there's no objection? Is that, it, that's not laid out in here, but that would be something, they could do on their own. When the MPC considers the application, the developer is definitely able to come and speak to the application and provide support for it. And if they want to present support as a part of that uh, from other surrounding business owners or landowners or whomever. That is their option, sure. But it is not laid out in the bylaw. Okay. All right, good, thanks. Well, so I guess you're going to bring a couple of bylaws later. And, uh, right away. Right away? Yeah. Or should we take a break for five minutes? Joanne, what should we do? Take a break for five minutes? Or? That's a great idea. Okay. We're going to take a break for five minutes or recess. We will restart the process. So the uh, <clears throat> next item on the agenda are the bylaws. And so we've got bylaw 2016 coming up on detached garages garages and uh, there is nothing to prevent a, uh, a three three readings and it's up okay that is correct so um, do we need Alicia Modi to go through this again okay uh, is there anybody that wants to make a motion on this mr. good I'll move uh, first reading okay all in, all in favor your Worship, I'll move second reading of bylaw 2016. All in favor? Okay, and a motion to go to third reading. I'll move to go. Okay, all in favor? And who wants to make third reading? Mr. Ford, all in favor? Okay. Okay, this is bylaw 2038 that we are speaking to now. 
Um, uh, so, Ms. Modi, this is the one with the 100 meter setback distance for playgrounds? That's correct. Okay, so um, any discussion on this? On this one? So what your plan is to put this to first reading, advertise it along with 2033. That's correct. And then there'll, there'll be a public hearing at the next council meeting for both bylaws. And then after that, we can proceed with second and third reading of both bylaws. And the recommendation coming from administration will be to adopt one and defeat the other. Okay. Okay. Do, um, do we, does anybody want... Ms. Modi, to go through anything on bylaw 2033? Clarify anything? Okay, somebody want to make first uh, motion for first reading? Uh, your, your Worship, uh, I'll provide a motion for first reading for uh, 2038. Oh, that's the hippie and you coming through? <laughs> okay, all gonna, in favor? I'm not going to touch that. That line was going to anyone. Well, Mr. Needham is of that age, that's all. Yeah, if you had been that voice, I would have probably said something different. Okay, so... I've moved on to other products. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Now we will go to... Okay, unfinished business is the uh, briefing note regarding Chamber of Commerce tourism information. Excuse me, Your Worship and Council, the briefing note before you this evening is in follow-up to the Chamber of Commerce presentation at the previous regular meeting of Council in July. Um, administration met with the President of the Chamber of Commerce, who is in attendance this evening also. Um, <laughs> Uh, just a, a note, we discussed the tourist information operations, um, some of the basic information related to the current um, facility, hours of operation, and how the partnership of the town and that uh, facility or that location program services could just be verified in something a little more um, discussed manner. And as always, the Chamber as an ambassador for tourism in, in your community and the region uh, will continue to do the good works that they do and offering uh, members of the public who pop in. That uh, roundabout is extra busy this year and I would anticipate that being the case for probably the next year or two. So I think some of um, our visitors are missing the turnoff to <coughs> the NAR station and see the lovely little cabin as an opportunity that looks like a little tourist information center, as it sort of is, as the chamber will continue to do um, the work that they do in terms of endorsing and, and being an ambassador for their community and region. So just a little bit of a note to follow up um, on that presentation with council. Okay, thank you. Motion to accept for information. Okay, all in favor, Mr. Goods, motion. Next item on the agenda is a new business request for decision regarding Doug Griffith's presentation of November 3rd, 2018. Uh, why, why is this one on here, Ailish? Is this because didn't you get our uh, well, you need to enable the people that said they were going okay? Okay, so a uh, Jim can speak to that one. 
Do you really want to speak to it, or are we just making an enabling motion? It would be just an enabling motion, Your Worship, would be sufficient for, for yep. this point. So who wants to make an enabling motion? I'll take Ms. Downing's hand. Somebody. Your Worship, I'd like oh. to okay, go ahead. make an enabling motion to have Mayor and Council attend Doug Griffith's workshop okay. to being held, being held on November 3rd in St. Isidore's Cultural Center. Okay, all in favor? Uh, the next one was an invitation to the Northern Leaders Summit, Slave Lake, September 12, 2018. Uh, this is another enabling motion. It is your worship. Who was planning to go? Um, I might go, so make uh, so that someone can make a motion for two to enable two councillors to attend. Deputy Mayor Mazur and the mayor's designate. The mayor is designate. Okay, and you're you're making that motion, Mr. Good. All in favor? Who's that, sorry? Mr. Good. Good, Mr. Good. Um, then we have a briefing note regarding grant application updates. Um, we probably should get a presentation on that like to refer to the next reports as sort of a granting palooza. Okay. We have a lot uh, going on. The first uh, report um, on behalf of Ms. McQuaig is a just an update for Council in regards to uh, the submission of some grant applications that have been made over the last 30 days or so. Um, we are doing two applications for the Saddleback Park playground upgrade. One to TD Friends of the Environment for trees and mulch and topsoil, so adding some trees at that site after we've torn it apart a little bit. Um, Alberta, Alberta Blue Cross Healthy Communities Fund, uh, the installation hopefully of some trails um, within that park as part of the design. The Alberta Community Resiliency Program, which Council has been a party to those discussions, I believe, at the previous meeting. And the Alberta Community Partnership uh, Grant was a request for an extension, um, as was the Community Resiliency Program. So Ms. McQuaig wanted to provide Council with an update of um, some of the work that has been done over the last month. So the 70 trees... Should you get them, when will they be planted? Next year? These are all for 2019. Okay. Yeah. And when are you, how are you going to make up the other 30 trees to get to our centenary? This amount? would be 100 plus 70 in my version of things. I'm oh. <laughs> <laughs> who's there, who's maintaining discussions all yet to be had? <laughs> we'll be asking yeah. the neighbors to water. <laughs> Okay, well, there well, definitely, need, there need, there definitely <laughs> needs to be another 30 trees coming somewhere. Don't worry, there, there are other plans for a lot more trees. Okay, any questions of Ms. Bell? Uh, there's also something about the, uh, she talked about the, or is that the other, is that another item? Mm -hmm. The legacy, okay. Yes. Okay, so we'll just... Um, so we'll just accept that for information, the last one. That'll be Mr. Needham, all in favor. Okay. Can you pass on our thanks to Mrs. McQuaig for all of this uh, 
wonderful stuff she's uh, well she hasn't finished here yet okay <laughs> <laughs> Jay. i will pass on your positive encouragement of the work she is doing thank you for us all because she's helping me out quite a bit <laughs> Um, the next report is in regards to the building communities through arts and heritage, um, through, ooh, I always get this wrong, Canadian Heritage, I believe, or Heritage Canada. Um, this is the legacy grant, which was sort of part two of uh, optional grants that the town could apply for for our centennial. This grant does require us to apply, or that we can apply for a capital project in relation to our centennial year. So the idea being a centennial type project. Uh, administration sat down and had a lengthy discussion in regards to what our current capital plan um, has to offer and how can we fund that capital plan and what opportunities for linkages did we have in relationship to this particular grant opportunity. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. We looked at the Athabasca Hall and its proposed renovation, and we also discussed the 12 Foot Davis Events Park. Um, after not as spirited of a discussion as Ms. McQuaig was worried, uh, Mr. McQuaig and I would have had around the Athabasca <laughs> Hall, um, we've had. Um, we need to have further discussions in regards to the Athabasca Hall and its proposed renovations that we had been looking at for the last couple of years, uh, how viable, how feasible those renovations are versus um, the potential of a snowball effect in regards to the building codes. Uh, once we open the Pandora's box, as it were, um, can we put it back in the box or at least make the box stable? Um, Therefore, administration was looking at the 12-foot Davis Events Park and specifically the washroom facilities and the pavilion that are proposed in the design plan. I did ask that the full design was attached for those members of council who had not been a party to or possibly had seen the full design plan of the 12-foot Davis Events Park um, in that final report, which was um, published with the agenda. It's rather extensive and, and complete. Um, which does lend well to an application for any grants as opposed to um, applying for a grant where you have a question mark around your full um, end goal or outcome that you're looking for. Um, as you're aware, we were looking at the washroom structure for 2018. We were actually um, doing a design build concept for tender right away and then this grant opportunity came up um, and we've since um, put a stay on that tender until we uh, get a direct some direction from council how we'd like to proceed or how you would like administration to proceed. Um, within the report I provide you with two options. Uh, option one is to apply for the renovation of the Athabasca Hall. Um, of course, this, the major advantage of this option is that this is a specific ask of council within your strategic plan. It is something that has been on, on the capital books, as it were. Um, it needs to be addressed and cannot be ignored for much longer. Um, not that we're ignoring it. <laughs> the disadvantage of this is it's not in a shovel-ready state. Um, this is when we speak with the federal government that always see is the um, terminology we hear consistently is shovel-ready projects. This particular project is not shovel-ready. Um, there is 
some financial implications, obviously, they're not as great as the 12-foot Davis for this particular grant option. Um, if we're looking at a feasibility study and detailed engineering with the whatever that subsequent plan would be, whether it's a full renovation or possibly a complete new facility, um, there would be some engineering that would be required. And the grant will cover engineering costs. However, we're not sure a feasibility uh, study component of that would be covered, but the engineering definitely would. Option two is applying for the 12-foot Davis Events Park washroom and pavilion. We could split it up. You could apply just for the washrooms or just for the pavilion, but I sort of took a, it's our centennial, centennial sort of go big or go home concept. We might as well uh, apply to see if we can get as much as we can. There is upwards of $500,000 available. So applying for just the washrooms, you'd get a smaller portion of that, of course. Um, but applying for the entire project, uh, we could see a fair contribution from the federal government on this project. Uh, the advantage, advantages of this option is uh, it's shovel ready. Um, and in, in this particular case, we can utilize free prefabricated uh, pavilion or gazebo. Um, they, it's a facility that, again, within the design plan is noted um, that we could set up or build on site down at 12 Foot Davis. The other options that Council has reviewed previously, again, is a prefabricated washroom system and or that is a design build option that we were currently looking at and having a local contractor build us some washrooms on site. So very doable um, within a six month to one year time frame. Um, the financial uh, implications of this project would be upwards of $750,000 for a total project cost with 50% coverage from the grant as the ask. So a potential of a $375,000 grant. Um, and I leave it open for Council's questions of myself or Mr. McQuake in regards to um, any of the issues related to these options. With option two, that would complete phase four and phase five. Um, uh, with, the with second last phase. The, uh, we would be close to final phase at that point without doing a stage. And the stage was the final phase, which we weren't I actually... I thought that was eliminated anyway. Yeah, we weren't actually doing it, but within the design plan, I believe the stage was phase, phase five. Phase last. Phase last, yes. <laughs> and this, as, far, as far as the... Uh, if, if this grant does go through, how does that affect uh, the budget with uh, Northern Sunrise County and the Joint Capital Fund where we're looking at drawing funds from? Would we have to actually touch that fund then? Yes, we would. So the ask from the joint capital was, I believe, around 350000 So this would be a similar use if you received the full um, 375000 from the or from the federal government. Excuse me. However, if we receive a smaller amount, then maybe you wouldn't do both components. Maybe you would only do the washrooms versus the pavilion. So if we'd have a little flexibility in how you proceed is the idea. And of course, if we don't receive the grant, we do the washroom. Yeah. As per the exist, existing capital plan. Yeah. So, go ahead. Except they would be a year behind again. 
this does potentially sort of put our timelines, yeah, correct. <laughs> so option one, it may, it may not be shovel ready, but it's collapsible ready. <laughs> and it's fire true. ready. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So has something happened with option one that uh, we've had some new aha moments regarding that facility that maybe we need to... I, I believe I'll leave that for Mr. McQuaig to answer. So I guess in considering Athabasca Hall, it, like we've had a couple studies previous to this, but one of the things I'm concerned about is, you know, if we're just going in there with a renovation plan, that once we touch one thing, now we're having, we're being committed to bring the whole structure up to code, to bring this whole structure up to code by the time we get finished with that. Know how far into it are we into that we could have taken that same funding to apply to a new facility so in terms of and that's I think the next question that we have to kind of take a step back and look at and then bring something to council that okay you know a little more informed option say okay if we go to the renovation this is what we're into it for if we're in if we're gonna look at taking that same amount of funds and investing into a new facility this is uh, what we'd be looking at for funding and then also during this time is looking for you know some applicable uh, grant opportunities that we could apply to this uh, similar to you know when we were looking at uh, in the 99th street slide is kind of looking at those kind of funding opportunities to to lessen the burden uh, on the, uh, the resident tax load. So if we end up with option two, are we going to investigate um, at the very least some makeup on the outside of that building until a decision is then made? Actually, we're um, just hired a contractor today or possibly tomorrow, depending on um, the final quote that we were receiving for an exterior painting this year. So that should happen within the next two months. So it's getting some basic cosmetic work done that will only address the exterior at this point. Yeah. Um, so just to break down the numbers a little bit more for my clarification, maybe for other concerned people. So the original, if we go option one, or if we don't go to option one, there's $50,000 that we would put in to kind of like decide if it's worth doing the other 250 and the rest of the... That, that's correct. So okay. ba basically what we want to do is have the opportunity to take all the information that of all the other studies that we've had to date and then give some specific direction to a consulting team to look at this and this and right. get something to a state where you're able to make a, an informed decision on what direction you want to take. I, I would think it'd be easier to get Chris, Christian Freeland to come to Peace River to dedicate a new, uh, for her homecoming, for a, for a rededicating Athabasca home versus her coming here to dedicate a bathroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hence the importance of the pavilion. <laughs> 
not just the washroom is not that exciting so on is, its own. So is the pavilion going to uh, try and uh, drive an Aboriginal theme or? It definitely has a more natural theme to the site, which uh, lends to the overall design, which I think marries well with um, a number of cultural groups that currently use the site and who may use in the future. So it, it really could be a your premier events park is the intent, and right now we're, we're this close from moving it from a green space, because that's what it is right now, to a true events park that you'd see um, larger event use. Uh, right now you're getting a lot of people down walking with their dogs, um, accessing part of the Heart River there, families going down for picnics. had a staff person just tell me this morning or this afternoon that they went down on the weekend and had a great time. And there were lots of people there. They did family photos to the point that there were too many, too many people there sort of interrupting their family photo process. So that's a good thing. Just to touch on his worship's comments there, so when it comes to the, to the pavilion, is that design build still going to mimic the uh, uh, the girder structure on the bridge from um, the last plans that I saw? Yeah, yeah, and we're utilizing the same uh, the color palette. We were working black into it, um, yeah, and the green right of the bridge also. Yeah, sticking with the the design plan, we're not deviating from the original design at all. So I'm, I'm assuming that once the pavilion is built, you'll be able to have a, an outdoor string quartet. Yes. Um, Mr. Mayor, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that option two is going to be the way to go. However, I feel that we keep leaving Athabasca Hall. Yeah. And we leave it because we haven't done engineering or we haven't looked at studies or, or so on and so on. So, I would like to suggest that uh, somehow it become a focus so we decide either it's going to happen in 10 years or something I agree. or yep. forget. And I think we keep going over it a little bit. Uh, yeah, your frustration also, well, it mimics mine, but um, we've, I guess this question is from Mr. McQuaig, we've done feasibility studies. So why, so, so why are we doing another one? You know, and, and this is where I think Deputy Mayor Manzer's frustration comes from, and mine is we've, I think we can point to at least two studies that looked at refurbishing that building, and you're telling me that they're not good enough. So what guarantee is there that this third one's going to be, or could be the fifth one by now, is going to be good enough? So I get, I guess with this study we're looking at two parts. One is, uh, I think you're right. We've done quite a few feasibility studies to date uh, for the existing building, but I don't think what we've done is a very good job on establishing if we replace that with a new facility of what that program looks like and what kind of costs that we be we would be entertaining into that. So that portion is uh, the portion that majority of uh, the, the new uh, engineering would be required to kind of you know, be engineering and architectural site to kind of establish, you know, if we went down that road, what the program budget should be and what that program would entail uh, for, for that building. But I thought we looked, 
looked at a new building, uh, Tanya Bell, and I thought the decision of council at that time was the current building is an iconic building in the town of Peace River, and we need to retain it as pretty well as it is, rather than we 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 cross that bridge about building a new one. That's correct. There was some discussion at that time when we looked at the community-based survey, um, and I'm at a loss of what year we did that in. Um, and and that came to the forefront that the perceived historical value, though though might not be truly historical in terms of a designated building per se, um, was important to the community level. So. I think Mr. McQuaig is just adding another layer of information to make sure that the decision that we've made is the best one overall for the town. Um, and revisiting um, might be a good process in terms of solidifying that yes, this is the this is the right way to go, including that information within that process also. Because my frustration, and I'm assuming it's Deputy Mayor's friend's frustration, is we've re revisited at least twice. Yep. And we made a decision to keep keep the building yeah. as more or less as it is. So, yeah, so now we're we're delaying it again. Well, I guess where I'm trying to come to some resolve on it is, if that's the choice that we're making, that you're going into that with your eyes open, knowing that uh, bringing that building not only up to code but at the end of the day, does it is it going to actually function in a manner that you're going to want for the use that it's intended for? I guess well, because I'm looking at you know places like that downstairs meeting area. You know we could bring that up to go, but it's still not a great functional area. Uh, so, and I do get that you know. Uh, people identify with that building, they identify that it's an iconic building, but I just want to, and I'm not ignoring a lot of the study work that was done before. It's kind of going through that and kind of uh, updating that in terms of costs and uh, so that, you know, I can provide you with an informed decision. Well, I thought the... Uh the estimate was basically a million dollars to refurbish it, and we were going to get five hundred thousand dollars from. We were going to. The game plan was get five hundred thousand dollars from the federal government, as a legacy project, and then take five hundred thousand out of the uh, joint capital. Joint capital. Well, and, and that's what we don't have a good handle on is what the actual uh, renovation cost would truly cost us, and this is McQuaig, Mr. McQuaig's. Uh, concern is that once you open up some aspects of your building for renovation and building code, especially we're adding life cycle, it literally might open the, the entire building for required renovations. And that's the information that I think is critical that we didn't have a good handle on without uh, Mr. McQuaig's expertise at the time, which we have now, which will give us a better costing Maybe it's three, maybe it's four million. It's probably more than one, definitely now. Costs just keep going up. Not well, just because. Why don't we just give it over to the Peace River School Division and let them put the money in? Go ahead. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I may just be entirely confused, but 
um, it's happened before, but if we if we go down the road of opening up Pandora's box and we make we start making that discussion, my understanding is that has an impact on the Twelfth uh, of Davis ballpark decisions and progress. Am I correct? In other words, to some extent, my understanding is we're doing what we're doing at the park because we've decided to hold off on the Athabasca yes. Hall. So if we revisit the Athabasca Hall decision, we have to, by definition, revisit the 12-foot Davis ballpark decision. The monies are from some of the same sources? Um, yes and no. Grants, the 12-foot Davis events park is a project that we can proceed as funding and grants become available. Whereas the Athabasca Hall sort of needs a final decision and then we get rolling. Yeah. But the funding and the grants available, some of those were the um, the Centennial Grant, et cetera, Correct. right? Mm -hmm. So if we go down the Athabasca Hall, I think we're talking about using some of that Centennial Grant money for that. So it now changes which grants you go yeah. after. It changes the amount of grants you go Correct. after. It changes the amounts of available money. In other words, you're revisiting the yeah. whole scenario yeah. again. We're trying to maximize the, the grant opportunity of what we feel would be the most successful application so that we don't lose the grant opportunity. Right, but they're to some degree the same sources. So my, my question is, um, if, if we're going to revisit the Athabasca Hall thing, what grants move, what grants are now, now become available in the financing of the um, the facility at 12 foot Davis Ballpark. Does it mean that we put one off for another two years? Again, put it off till later because we, we can't get those grants until a couple years, which I don't have a problem yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. My problem is not knowing. My problem is not knowing what the end what the end result is going to look like and what the delays are going to be looking right. like. Um, and there were no specific grants identified within the capital plan um, because you you don't know. Right. Yeah. So what it would mean for 12 Foot Davis, the, um, the, that particular project, we were always looking at the joint capital fund um, as the funding source. Athabasca Hall, there was, I believe, a portion of it was uh, funded through uh, the joint capital fund also. Mm -hmm. So other than that, there were no other grants identified to fund either one of the projects. So here's an opportunity where we have... Um, Potential to use less of our our dollars and more of someone else's. Because your discussion was yeah. three hundred, but was from three hundred fifty for the feds. Yeah. Okay, well that's a grant, right? Yeah. So that's one of the grants that weren't being considered. Um, I'm not trying to mince words here, but we'll mix up words. But you are looking at grants like a three hundred fifty thousand dollars with one number that I sort of remember sort of going through in grants. Am I correct on that? From from the federal government. You said somewhere between three hundred fifty and five hundred thousand. There wasn't another one. No. Okay. It was just the joint capital fund. You weren't looking at any federal grants for the twelfth of Davis Park. No. no. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't there a grant that was applied for for Athabasca Hall, but we didn't get it? I'm going to say probably. <laughs> uh. I think that was last year. What, last last time we had the discussion. Oh. No, I think it was that this wasn't eligible under that. Yes, yeah, it that, wasn't that's eligible. what it was. Okay. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Your Worship, yeah. if, I, if I may, uh, Director Bell, just uh, curious about, uh, well, I like the idea, another difficult decision, I like the idea of doing both of them, 
so around that theme, uh, are you aware of any uh, not-for-profit organization in town that's perhaps looking for a legacy project? Um, I think of just to throw out, you know, Friends of the Library have existed before the library construction still exists today and continue to, to carry on. I see according to the application uh, process that the group needs to well, essentially be in existence for two years and be willing to carry on. So uh, again, I come back to the Athabasca Hall. So is there a formal, is there a formal not for profit group that could perhaps pick that up and, and apply on our behalf and, and do on our behalf? Is that, and I, and I asked the question because I'm drawing a blank. Um, hmm. I would have to look into what, like that. What about what more. about one of the dance groups or something? Like, are they do they have the capacity or the ability to? <coughs> I'd have to look into that a tad more. Um, sometimes it depends. Um, if we're the operator of the facility, you may not necessarily have the option of having someone else apply on your behalf. Sometimes you can. We have attempted that with the Community Facility Enhancement Program with, for the multiplex with Rotary. Um, so it is a potential option. And if, the other thing to mention um, in the next uh, report around the Investing in Canada Infrastructure Program, we do have the Athabasca Hall as one of the uh, expressions of interest um, requests that we were proposing to go to the federal government as a a project specifically around the engineering and looking at feasibility in the long-term planning. But we could look at an option of seeing if there is a um, peace players would be sort of the most logical group for their for that partnership for that facility. It's a, it definitely is it's something I, I would have to read the fine print yeah, I, and maybe I, make a few calls. I, I didn't read yeah. the guidelines in great detail, yeah. but I just what I did. And just to kind of add into what Director Bell was saying as well, uh, keep in mind now we can't kind of do both. Right? That the twelve foot Davis washrooms we've got, we're a lot further along on that one. Our costs are a lot more known on that one, and that's why we kind of we're suggesting that you know in terms of this grant funding opportunity that we pursue that one. We do have, as Director Bell said, you know we are looking at other grants for Athabasca Hall, but. In terms of uh, finishing up the feasibility study to provide council those firm options, that's something you know we can include as part of the 2019 budget as well. So it's not a lost opportunity. And you know, one of the things we can also look at is you know we're looking at this particular one for this grant funding cycle. So the next intake would be starting next April uh, for the next set of grant. Uh, opportunities and we may have an opportunity to include for those funds at that point as well. But at the very least, I'd say you know what we could do is look at at least including that feasibility study to get us to that point to make that decision, including that in the 2019 budget. Okay, we need to vote on this. So, oh, we got one more just, question. Well, Here's really quick, I just I'm trying to kind of condense everything down because we do have to make a decision. So, really quick, and I might need some rough opinions of, of the directors to do it, I guess. So in terms of the success of this grant, uh, that, that, that leans well towards 12th and Davis. In terms of the, the, the current use that things are getting, that would definitely lean towards the Athabasca Hall, especially that it's a full year facility as opposed to 12th and Davis, which is uh, 
as long as yeah. global warming keeps going our way, it's it's it it's, it's useful, uh, you know, through people snowshoe in that park. That's right. See, and people snowshoe in that park. Although I will not play my guitar in there at forty below. Just FYI, um, the the in, this is and this is where I need your opinion. But you've kind of already alluded to it in terms of future grant opportunities. That seems and 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 partners to work with. The, uh, the ground for Athabasca Hall seems much more fertile. Correct. Um, I would agree with that, yeah. Uh, and, and that kind of thing. And, and as far as what is known and what's, you know, what, we, what we know we're going to be spending on, that leans, again, towards 12th of Davis. So um, I'm going to make a motion okay. that we use the Centennial Grant Funding application towards 12th of Davis. And then I guess we can discuss the feasibility thing later. Don't put that in the motion. Okay, yeah, you can, that little add-on you can take out of the motion. Okay, all in favor of option one? Option two. Oh, option two. He tried that. That's clever. Fair I enough. like that. I understand the I, too. Okay, next one. Um, the next report in the ongoing um, grant palooza here this evening is the, the Investing in Canada Infrastructure Program. Um, Ms. McQuaig prepared this report, uh, which I will speak to in, um, in concert with uh, Mr. McQuaig. Uh, Federal Ministry of Infrastructure and Communities announced 10-year funding stream for infrastructure projects. We have been waiting for this and looking <coughs> for this and had been actually uh, preemptively um, submitted the multiplex uh, approximately three months ago to our provincial government, um, to Alberta Infrastructure, uh, to get us on the Alberta Capital Plan, which we had been, been told repeatedly over the last year or two, or the multiple times that we've had applied to the province for funding for that particular project. Um, that was... Uh, uh, requirement. Um, following that information, the federal government came out with uh, more details around their component of the project or funding opportunity. Um, it does include community, culture, and recreation infrastructure, which is great because that particular stream sort of gets in and then it usually gets bumped out for a period of time and it's back in favor for grant opportunities. Green infrastructure is another area. Um, of the grant public transit in infrastructure and rural and northern communities infrastructure. Um, it's fairly split out as with most of these programs, 40% uh, federal funding, 33.33 from the province, and the municipal portion is 26.67%. Um, within our five-year capital plan, that was the base for administration's review is to take our existing capital priorities um, reviewed and adopted by council and how can we maximize the funding opportunity to again minimize the tax requirement or um, the burden on the taxpayer locally uh, by utilizing some of their other tax opportunities federally and provincially. Um, there does not seem to be uh, an expected intake uh, later on, therefore, administration is recommending we submit as many of our projects as we can up front, and then we'll address if there is any further intakes later over the next um, <coughs> two to ten years. 
what our other opportunities may may come about. Um, attached on page two is the listing of the proposals that administration would like to submit for the expression of interest. The Peace Regional Recreation Centre. Um, just note also that we have asked our municipal partners for a letter of support. It does not require them in any sort of funding format to lose out on their own opportunities, but it illustrates again that this is a regional multi-municipality project which we believe lends uh, weight to our application on this particular one. We are going to be asking for a fair uh, amount at $6,402,527 according to the formula. Um, the next project is the Airport Sewer Lagoon. Uh, this is a $400,000 project. It was on the capital year for 2020. Um, Shastbury Trail Pedestrian Pathway. Not sure why that was hard to say. Uh, we thought this might be a very good opportunity, a good project, because again, it is shovel ready. The engineer detailed design is complete. Um, so this might be a really great project for the federal government to get a part of and it is a part of the Trans-Canada Trail or the Great Trail. So federal government is a supporter of that overall national project. Um, Reservoir 365, I believe Mr. McQuaig has spoken with council about this particular project. It's a $7.5 million project um, asking from the federal government of $3 million. The water supply capacity project, oh, $20 million project from the engineering and infrastructure. The numbers get larger for Mr. McQuig's projects, I'm noticing here. And then the Athabasca Hall engineering review. Now we're putting in larger, this is not $1.8 million worth of engineering, that would be engineering quite the facility. Um, but the intent is greater than that, but uh, starting with the engineering review and then subsequently some sort of design plan, so applying for the larger project. Um, uh, Ms. McQuaig makes note of the Athabasca Hall again, as we previously discussed, and provides council with a number of options. Option one is that to proceed with the expressions of interest for the noted projects above. Um, option two is to look at proceeding with only some of the applications. And option three is to not enable or approve any of the requests. Um, and if Mr. McQuaig, if you have any further detail or information around um, your projects, feel free to, to interject. So I'll just comment on two of the, the projects that may or may not have uh, enough knowledge on. So the water supply capacity project. So what that was was as a result of the water modeling study that we did uh, to establish the uh, design criteria for Reservoir 365 last year. It identified some improvements overall to the, the water distribution system that we were going to be looking at over the next 10 years. So part of that was uh, looking at design of a res reservoir in the north end to improve uh, some of our uh, water distribution pressures in that area. And also uh, part of this was also to duplex the, another water line coming across the Peace River on the new bridge. 
to provide some uh, redundancy in the in the line that's coming across the CN Rail Bridge. So that there's a series of projects in there around that, and that's what that water supply capacity project is. And as Ms. Bell already kind of uh, talked about, uh, Athabasca Hall Engineering Review, basically this one here is a lot more than just a review. This one here is essentially uh, coming up with the options and then taking whichever option and generating a, a complete set of design documents up so that it's tender ready. So that way we're in a place that, you know, if grant opportunities come for the full funding for either a new facility or uh, if we're just looking at renovations at that point, uh, if they're $4 million for renovations. But either way, we're, we're ready to kind of take advantage of those grant funding opportunities. So just a little more information around those. Okay. Uh, so I don't think we need to discuss this any further. This is up and down, motherhood and apple pie. Okay, who's going to make the motion? Ms. Uh, Ms. Manzer, all in favor of Ms. Manzer's motion, which is to proceed with. That's written. Option one. Yeah. Option one. Okay. Yeah. So to go with the recommendation, that's what you're voting for. Okay. Um, the next one is a. What? Press release for the kind of feature of the website? It's the multiplex update. Okay. okay. Um, for your information, council is a this uh, is this particular report is in regards to an update from the last two construction site meetings and the significant work that has been completed throughout most of June and early July. Um, if you've been by the site lately, uh, all the steer, steel is completed on the front of the building and they're working on the back side of the building. Today and tomorrow and I believe Wednesday, um, they're doing some concrete slab pouring on the field house side and portions of the center of the building. It was today, was it not? Or was it on Thursday? T today was the big pour? Yeah. So we are getting some floors, that's pretty exciting. We're that we'll be moving indoors very soon after we get uh, a lot of the slabs complete. Um, in regards to the rest of the structure, things are proceeding um, on track, on time. Uh, additional activities, uh, we took the opportunity to attach the press release in regards to the uh, CNRL sponsorship for the field house facility. And I've been working closely with Baytex Energy in regards to their new exterior signage. There's a brand new logo that will be going on the facility on three of the sides of the building and also an interior sign. So we've verified uh, the signage specifications and that will be going out um, by Baytex through their procurement processes for the purchasing of those signs. Um, we're also looking at a bit of a fun process and there was a construction meeting on Friday and I don't know that um, yourself or um, Councillor Needham would like to speak to this, Mr. Quigg, in regards to uh, putting a coin at center ice before the concrete pour. Uh, the town of Grimshaw actually did this, I believe, two, two coins. 
um, when you they poured. Three points. We are actually going to have more than three. Um, the intent to is invite. <laughs> we can't get two ice services. We can get three. Points. We're we're doing more coins. Um, is to invite all of our municipal partners to submit a coin for placing um, in center ice before the port. Um, I've been encouraging some sort of a scaffolding sort of I don't know sending me over so I could drop the coins in the but that's not being worked out quite yet. So we'd like to make a bit of an event of it. And the MD of Peace will definitely add an, another extra couple of, an extra dollar to their contribution. Okay. Maybe they'll pay to put a coin there. Maybe we can get them to cough up another million bucks there. To put a coin that's in a, I, I think no I'll simply just ask them to bring coin. a coin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you want from this? For information? That's purely for Council's information to keep you um, on top of what the activity is going on down this, at the site. Has this already been put on the website? An update? It, it, once our communications coordinator, I believe okay. she's back this week, it will be posted. Okay. Yeah. So a motion to accept for information, I guess. Okay, all in favor? Uh, Director Bell, any chance we can find out more information on other sponsor sponsorship, um, what's available for people to sponsor at? Yes. Yes. Okay, uh, the next one is also, is so you're going to speak to the funding on the Peace Regional and Recreational Center? I feel that I, I've uh, spoken readily here, so I'll pass this can, on uh, to Mr. McQuaig. Yeah. If you like your worship, I could perhaps jump in. Okay. If uh, an administration is uh, welcome to uh, to jump in at any time as well. So this this is the briefing note uh, with regards to the overall budget, and I think perhaps Council may recall I provided a, a, a heads up here a, a month or so ago. We were, uh, yeah, you know, again, uh, experiencing uh, a, a couple of change orders, and uh, so I asked uh, Jim and the team to put this together. So in quickest summary, uh, I'm going to use the, the old line that I use at the meeting, uh, need to be on time and on budget. So this project is on time and it is on budget. Uh, that's not to say that there hasn't been some hiccups and there hasn't been some issues that come up from time to time. And uh, just as an example, this major concrete pour that's going on right now, of course, the ground is quite soft and the material is tracking out into the neighborhood. So uh, there's all those little sticky little things that come up. I, I throw that in there just as an indication of the attention to detail that we're trying to afford this project. So back specifically to the briefing note in front of you, um, some of the change orders were the piles, which of course we experienced uh, in uh, in the winter time when there was additional piles that were required there was a change order for the rafters and there was some additional material that needed to be pulled out it, it, it failed and had to be pulled out and then replaced and i wish our fire chief tim harris would be in the room this evening because the, what what caused me some concern was uh <clears throat> pardon me your worship uh we had to buy a fire pump for one hundred ninety-seven thousand dollars and I, for the life of me, can't figure out why we need a fire pump in a building that's made out of steel and concrete, but uh, that's the way it is. So 
the, the water pressures at that end of town are, are, no, are low, so we need to buy that fire pump. So that, again, is, is in the budget, uh, so we're in good shape. I would add that buying a fire pump is a hell of a lot cheaper than upgrading uh, the infrastructure for the neighborhood. So uh, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's a success story. Speaking of success, uh, I think now we're at a phase, and again, I see we lost our press this evening and our communications uh, autumn is not present. I was going to suggest, Your Worship, that what we need to do is start talking about the building uh, to the community, and certainly the, the coin idea is, is a valid idea, and we should be doing that. Um, in my discussions with Marshall Lee, uh, Jim has pointed out to me, this is Jim Lee, this, this roof has got a 25-year guarantee on it. Like, it's an unheard of warranty. So while we've had some bumps in some of these change orders, we're not compromising on this building. So there's a 25-year warranty on that roof. So it's, it, it's according to uh, the contractor, he does not know any other building in Alberta that offers such a warranty. Uh, there's some other features that are being uh, added to the project that I think would be an opportunity uh, for the press to pick up on and perhaps uh, even our communications department and we can start promoting uh, the project. Uh, we're, we're a year away but uh, things are progressing well. That's the briefing note. Uh, if there's specific questions on a line item or two we could, we could certainly take it and when I say we, uh, Jim and Director Bell are the experts on a lot of the line stuff, but again, uh, lots of optimism on time and on budget. We'll keep working through some of these issues. Um, as Director Bell says, the steel is up on both ends of the building. The noise factor in the neighborhood will be gone here very quickly. Uh, piece of new material, the front end of the building will go on quickly. Uh, so we're in reasonably good shape. I would just add, I'm way past my speaking limit, uh, I would just add that the ice at the adjoining facility, just for Council's interest, is going to be going in, I believe, August the 1st as well. So while I'm talking about a budget briefing note on a multiplex, just FYI, uh, the ice will be in on, on the 1st of August with a hockey school plan for the 24th, I believe. So yep. that's kind of an update on the North End Recreation Project. I'll leave it at that. So, to summarize, on budget, on time, and no corners cut. Okay. So, uh, motion to accept for information. Mr. Scanlon, all in favor? Okay, um, next item uh, looks like it's the... Okay, so we're at reports now, right? And uh, the first report was a briefing note from the MPC, and that is uh, um, anything that we need to underscore here, MPC members. Um, how long did you stay in this meeting? They went overtime. We had to come to a council meeting, that one. Um, the clinic was approved, uh, its development process was approved at that meeting. What, what had to come? The what? The clinic. Oh, okay. The clinic's development um, notice procedures was approved. Okay. So are you, uh, are you going to be the 
the watchdog on that project and make sure that it's on budget on time? Um, I believe we time. have 530 some odd thousand invested and I believe somebody else has 5 million <coughs> which I think they are hoping is going to be on time on the budget. There's, that was by the other day. There's, there's, well, the other day is like a week and a half ago now. They've got piles in the ground there. Like, no, one, no one's wasting any time there. I just don't want them to come back and say we ran out of five million and we want you to to back us up. They they did that already and we backed them up. <laughs> okay, next project is the capital variance report. Uh, we need ten minutes for information on the last one. I will move for all three of these when we're Evening, Council. What I am presenting tonight is a briefing note on the capital variance report as of June 30th, 2018. Um, I'm not going to read through the whole briefing note, but I will point out uh, some some of the features. Is we've changed the format of the reporting um, to provide better and clearer information on each project. Um, it, it'll show uh, the 2018 approved budget any previous approvals um, that may have occurred, uh, the approved, overall approved budget. We're now putting in a committed column so we can see how much money has been committed. It may not have been expended, but is committed. Uh, invoices to date and then the total project costs. The last two columns represent what's remaining um, for each project. Um, looking at the entries uh, on the entire capital project, um, We've, we've committed or expended 81% of available funds. But if you back up the rec center, the amount decreases to 57% with 43% of the program to be expended. Uh, some of these projects uh, I know, having talked to the directors, are in the tendering stage or, or have gone out for tender. Uh, once we start getting those numbers back in and um, making commitments through POs, those numbers will start showing up on, on this report. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Any questions on the capital project? Cap so capital? I just have a comment. Uh, Mr. Schramm, you made a comment that um, some tenders have gone out because there's a lot of 100% remaining here. So. Um, I guess maybe it's to Mr. McQuaig some of it. Um, of the 100% remaining, which is actually most of the chart, um, should we be expecting all of the 100% to be completed this construction season? So of those, several are actually just in the uh, finishing off the engineering stage right now and will be out to tender within the month. And some of those major ones are like sludge press for the wastewater treatment plant, as well as uh, the boiler replacement uh, for the water treatment plant. Uh, and we'll be issuing in short order Reservoir 365, the engineering for that one, and also fleet vehicles and also for our sand truck. So all those we're planning on uh, issuing this month now that uh, I've got a, a little more help uh, down at uh, Public Works to relieve some of that burden on on myself. Okay, 
You want to speak to the operating variance report then? Um, the, briefing note, uh, for the briefing note is for the operating variance report as of June 30th, 2018. Um, this report is in the same format that uh, finance presents the uh, operating budget in, so um, the categories are fairly familiar to us. In general operations, because we split it between uh, water operations and, and general operations, um, through the six months so far in the general operating, uh, the, we're projecting a very small surplus of $30,800. And this is due uh, uh, to the fact that uh, we've received uh, $457,850 in an airport capital assistance program grant. Um, that wasn't in the budget, but this this amount is um, offset in the expenditure side as we move into capital. So overall, the the, the surplus is based on uh, fire protection, wages and benefits being in a favorable position of twelve thousand five hundred dollars, and arena wages and benefits um, expected to be in a favorable position of about thirty five thousand uh, dollars. These variances are due to timing uh, related to the filling of positions. Um, the fire protection position uh, was about a month and a half, two months um, filled later than expected and the arena wages and benefits is because of a uh, position at the arena that I believe Director Bell told me that was just filled recently. So that's a good thing. The unfavorable, um, the unfavorable uh, variances related to um, $840 in utilities uh, in the public works utilities area and that's as the note says is due to uh, insufficient historical data related to the new building that we purchased and then there's an $8,300 variance unfavorable variance in the parks and rec and that was due to an uh, invoice uh, from the ski club that wasn't submitted uh, in 2017 in time to be included fiscal period. With water and sewer operations uh, through six months uh, we're projecting a deficit of uh, $110,200 and as the briefing notes uh, identifies is that the contracted services in the water department are expected to be $82,500 uh, over. This is due to uh, hiring contractors to assist with the numerous water breaks that we had uh, this year and also uh, con contracted services to replace uh, fire items that were needed. Uh, the other major item identified is supplies and materials in the water department which is $45,200 and this is due to the purchase of the fire hydrants that had to be replaced. Um, we're looking to saving some money though about $17,700 due to the replacement of the uh, boiler core at the water treatment plant and that significantly reduced um, uh, the cost at that, that facility. Any questions of Mr. Shad? Okay. Good. Thanks. Uh, we'll need a motion for uh, to uh, to receive for information items um, 
9.1 through 9.3 inclusive. Who's going to make that one? Oh, Mr. Adam Oliver. Um, so we go to number 10, uh, information letter from Alberta Tur Culture and Tourism. Announcing the start of Alberta Volunteer Awards and a letter from the Misery Mountain Bike Association. Anything there? Somebody, anybody wants to underscore or highlight? I'll just speak to the uh, Misery Mountain Bike Association um, in regards to this uh, letter of thanks. Um, I did receive a text from the uh, from the association requesting a, a signature on a document. Uh, which was a waiver for and an agreement with Alberta Forestry so that uh, they could do the, uh, the cutting of the uh, trails up on the hill. I received that text, I believe it was on a Thursday, and they wanted to commence work on the Friday, so that information was forwarded to our administration who expedited that agreement to, uh, to get that work done on time. Um. Perhaps a motion to accept uh, items 10.1 and 10.2 for information. Sure. Your Worship, um, can I suggest that our communication person uh, that Autumn get the information about the Alberta Stars Awards out onto our website? Okay. Who's gonna Who's gonna make sure that happens? Miss Fallon. Okay. So does that mean you're going to make a motion to accept these for information? I am going to make a motion to accept both items for information. Okay. Good. You could make a motion to direct administration to uh, to make sure that the Alberta Star Awards get gets out on. Is that is that uh, the appropriate way for that to be perceived? Well, perceive? that makes sure it's on their to-do list. All right. Now okay, you're just counting on them to kind of report right. tomorrow morning. <laughs> Thank you, Your Worship. Then I will make a motion to uh, recommend that administration put um, the link for the STARS Awards onto our website. Okay. All in favor? Yeah, because I, I have it on good authority that administration usually has a, a Mickey after these meetings. <laughs> <laughs> So then will you do one motion for that one and then we'll do the accept information for number two? Yeah. Or did I call for a vote on number two? No. There wasn't a vote on either yet, so okay. why don't we do one? So we could just do a, a, mo uh, a motion to accept the letter from Misery Mountain Bike Association for for information. Councillor Ford? Sure. Sure. All in favor? Any notices of this motion, Mr. McQuaid? There are none, Your Worship. Okay, uh, this is, we uh, get to that part of the meeting uh, where uh, we receive comments from the public. Is there anyone from the public who wishes to come up and please come forward to the speaker's table? Les Hostin, I think some of you know me. Uh, 
also at the same time, what I'm going to be talking about has no relation to my employer. Now, things that bother me, and they have for the last couple years, uh, I've been here for 20 years as a taxpayer. The promises I've heard from many councillor wannabes, mayor wannabes, they're nice to listen to, but they aren't completed. They aren't put across properly to the public. When it gets down to it, I commented through a very common media source here a few months ago about something with the town and got immediately kicked off the website. Guess it's because I didn't support, but I did voice an opinion. We sit back now and we're talking spending billions of dollars, very dependent on grants. Now, it doesn't make any difference. I, as a resident of town, am still going to be paying a large amount of money for the rest of that grant to complete a project. Uh, I want to know whether the town of Peace River means the council working or is it the council working for the people of Peace River? When I see statements saying that we had to spend $7,000 for wheelchair access proposals. I could have rented nine wheelchairs and had you all take a day and travel around town for a lot less than that. Uh, things even from 15, 18 years ago still stick in my mind. Promises. Uh, now this is going to sound simple, frivolous, I don't care. It makes a big difference to me. The general appearance of this town is lacking big time. Uh, there's a lot of work that has to be done in reference back to wheelchair access, curbing, weeds. I also understood and know that any properties that are looking like hell were supposed to be cleaned up fixed and billed to the owner. I can make you a hell of a long list of stuff that hasn't been done in a year. Uh, I, affected, uh, I know it's affecting all our property values. Nothing seems to be done about it. You call the so-called person uh, in charge of that and it's, well, give me the address. That's not my job to get you the address. There should be people out there that we're paying for that can drive around and see these. I don't have to work for the town. If so, I haven't received a paycheck yet. Being blacklisted by the administrators set me off because I wanted to voice an opinion that was fairly common opinion and I get kicked off the site. Now I don't know 
who the administrators for that site were or are doesn't make any difference. It seems that when people go against the general trend and the thought of the direction of the town, it's all big money. I think there should be more little amounts of money spent on everything that's visible. Now, you know what I'm talking about. I just need some answers. I've sat back for the last 10 years biting my lip. I did make an opinion, got stepped on. But after reading through that media source today of the money that's being proposed on Athabasca Hall and on a $750,000 toilet, that put me over it. I had to say something, be it right or wrong. I don't care. How come nothing is being done? Uh, I hear on the, the potholes, it's too wet too dry, too much traffic, the plant isn't open, too hot, too cold. When is the time right? Now, I think it's up to the town at the same time to get after the departments that are responsible, uh, like the traffic circle, that pit that's in there right now, what's that gonna cost the average show when he hits it with his tire? Now, why is it the town getting after whoever is responsible for the maintenance of that? Why isn't the town getting out there? Uh, is the town short of employees? If so, why? <coughs> is the town short of money to do this? These simple repairs, sure, they're time-consuming. Money factor isn't that high. I don't know what to say. I'm still proud of this town. But it's getting harder all the time to tell people about this town. When I see prospective business owners or whatever come off an airplane, come into town and have to go through all that, the bumps, the grind, the holes, I don't think it's something that should be presented to a prospective business owner. If we can't maintain the little things, how are we going to maintain and pursue the bigger things? It's still our tax dollars, and it seems that a lot of decisions are being made by this council without proper communication with the public. That's the feedback I get as a layman, as a Joe anybody, as a Joe nothing. I'd like to see something done. Basically, that's all I've got to say. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate your comments. Thank you. Okay, um, and um, I will ask administration what they're going to uh, highlight on tomorrow's website.
I think uh, one of the things that we can definitely highlight is uh, just the cannabis survey report. Uh, I think that would be a good one uh, to highlight. And that there will be a public hearing in about how many weeks' time? The next meeting? Which will be the next meeting? So when is that going to be? August fourteenth. Thirteenth. August thirteenth. August thirteenth. Okay. You want to talk about the being The arena being uh, on budget, on time, uh, with no corners cut. I, I think that's a, a good news uh, message on that one, Your Worship. Okay. Should we highlight purple one? Okay. Um, and uh, that we will be uh, looking to apply to Legacy Canada for a pavilion at the uh, 12 Foot Davis. Yes. I don't want to hear any more comments about a $375,000 toilet. $700,000 Okay. That you could sing in Mr. Mayor, it wasn't part of the meeting tonight, but um, the um, museum is hosting a, or having a tea this coming Saturday, I believe, at the NAR station. Edwardian tea. No, it's, is it? it? I'm not sure which kind. How many different kinds of tea are there? Well, no, it's, I think it's Edwardian whiskey and it's Victorian tea, isn't it? Whatever it is, tea it too. <laughs> It's, it's actually pretty good. It's, I, I've, I've been there. They do a good job there. Have they scheduled their Edwardian whiskey? I believe, Mr. McQuaig, are they not? You planned another one? Yes, uh, I think we're scheduled second week of September. September yeah. Oh, you're going to be at so the Northern Leaders the Conference, so you won't get to the, you won't get to the Scotch. Yeah, I'll be hosting that one on Ensemble. And we're enabling council to go, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think we should have a standing enabling motion for any teas, whiskeys, tastings. Uh, right? I, I think we. I think you were just told that we don't want to spend money on frivolous items. This is connecting with this. Okay. Very good. So you'll uh, take those on the key communication. Okay. We'll. Uh, Recess for three minutes and then we have an in-camera.